my friends, the great experiment. Prodigy. Prodigy. Hidden. Trick. Trick. Would you look at that? The greatest trick. 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 Your people, you're all astronauts. Some kind of star. Trick. Trick. The greatest trick. Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Adam, this is our silliest show. It really is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's, what's come over us with these Prodigy episodes. We've just been really goofing it up. It's self-defense silly, I think. Right. I think we've realized something about talking about children's programming. Hmm. You want to approach it with that that silly puppy mind. That that childlike wonder of yeah. somebody who's yeah. on half a jazz gum. Absolutely. <laughs> that's how kids are, right? Yeah. Like, that's how I could understand kids a little better if I just treated them as if I thought they were on a half a jazz gum. Yeah. <laughs> they would be far less frustrating for me to interact with if I just went into every <laughs> moment like that, right? <laughs> Like your baby, for instance, yeah. like will not talk back to me. No, he doesn't have anything to say yet. And to learn more about microdosing tea. Oh, buddy. I had a frustrating interaction with him this morning. We were at baby class and baby class for some reason is scheduled right in a window when we usually are trying to feed him. So mm. we, uh, I was like giving him a bottle at baby class and uh, I picked him up to burp him and he was wearing like a an all white onesie, and when I picked him up to burp him, the back of the onesie was all yellow. Oh boy! And that's uh, when babies poop; it's yellow. And so oh, I'm really glad you said that because now I'm with it. He'd somehow dumped up, <laughs> and uh, boy, he dumped up. up. <laughs> it was like it had soaked through the onesie, soaked through my jeans. Like, oh, like I was God. sitting cross-legged on the floor with him in my lap, and it was like all over the legs of my pants. You're not supposed to wash denim that often, but I bet you're doing a lot of jeans laundry, huh? This is like a brand new pair of jeans, man. Oh, This is no. a birthday present from my mom and dad. Fucking... Was a part of you like, still, I should probably wait to wash these jeans, right? I, I'll, I'll tell you what. I came home, hit him with a little Folex. That's all they're getting. Oh my god, you you fucking sicko! Yeah. This is so gnarly. It'll be up to you to guess which jeans that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. that is amazing. Now I have more than one pair of jeans. So, you know, someone smells really good. Who smells like Folex? <laughs> <laughs> Getting real liberal with the Folex usage lately. There are worse things to smell like. I think so. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was this wild thing because it was like, it was such a disaster that my wife and I both popped up and like, like a NASCAR pit crew uh-huh. putting this kid in a new onesie and like cleaning him up. Uh-huh. <laughs> and somehow like, I don't think anybody in the class noticed what happened. Yeah. Like they're all like parents with little babies so they, they've got their own problems there's so many distractions in this class i was like i can't believe we got away with this the thing about premium denim is that you want to folex them inside out right right yeah it says that on the on the wash instructions inside it says <laughs> wear them into the ocean or if you yeah. really have to put them in the in the laundry yeah folex them inside out yeah yeah i mean 
I don't know. We'll see if the full X does the job. The, the thing is, they're dirty in one little spot, you know, not anywhere else. And I don't want them to lose their fades already. No. They're so new. They have so much potential. They're never the same. They're so crispy right now. Yeah. Now they're crispy for a different reason. But you like that original crisp. Yeah. Not this new crisp. No. This yellow Folex crisp. Well, hopefully just Folex. Hopefully the, the Folex takes the yellow out. You get that new Folex drip, don't you, Ben? Yeah, I got the Folex drip. I should probably go down to that cough syrup store on Melrose and get some uh, <laughs> some other accoutrements <laughs> to go with it. God. <laughs> Let's go on a field trip there. <laughs> what was it called? Gosh, there's... I can't believe it's all cough syrup or something. You'd never believe how much cough syrup is in here is the name of the store in LA. <laughs> and in the window is a giant cup of what I'm assuming is going to be cough syrup inside. Dang. I walked past a store in LA recently. Maybe it was in your new neighborhood where there was like a koi tank in the front window. What? Yeah. Maybe it was somewhere else. But I like, it was like an apparel store. They were selling like, fitted baseball hats and t- and like you know premium t-shirts and shit and they had a koi tank in the front with like really nice looking like you know collectible grade you know $700 koi fish in there this has inspired an idea do you want to do you want to go in on this business with me yeah i mean i i was trying to start a different business with you but uh, of course we had the the monday meeting and you didn't show up to it so right. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm still open to different ideas. The business is this. (laughs) It's a premium denim store. Oh, all right. I'm interested. With a twist. Hmm. In order to leave the store, you need to wear the jeans that you've purchased through a saltwater tank. <laughs> you walk through there and it's like wearing them into the ocean and then you you walk right out of there and your jeans are in the process of fitting to your birdie. That's amazing. Can I um, offer one punch up sure. to this idea? Yeah. You know those um, spas that you see in like vacation towns where you can sit in a chair and put your feet in a basin and little fish will eat all the dead skin off your feet? Yeah. Can we add those to the tank? Sure. So it's like it's like a value add. Like not only are are your jeans going to fit great because they're you're going through the tank on the way out of the store, but also your your feet are going to be remarkably smooth and free of dead skin cells because of the little fishies. The tank should be super long though, right? Because you should like be sloshing your way through this thing for a good 15 minutes to give the fish time to do their business (laughs) and to also give the premium denim Mm. time to uh, wrap tightly around your birdie. We're going to get like three or four of those swimming pools that are made out of shipping containers and just Mm -hmm. put them end on end and Mm -hmm. like cut the ends out to connect them to each other. And that's the only way out. That's the only exit. Is the name of our store, could it be, Jesus Christ, that's a fuck ton of cough syrup. I mean, what the hell? (laughs) I think we should talk to an IP attorney just to make sure that we're not stepping on anybody's uh, trademark, but uh, I really like that direction. We really want to distinguish this store from the others, and I don't feel like a giant, circuitous saltwater fish tank Mm -hmm. is enough. Yeah. 
Let's uh, let's get on uh, on the phone with our uh, attorney in New York. On second thought, I'll just handle that because like phone meetings have been kind of tough for you to make lately. Yeah, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Sounds good to me, Ben. Let's check back in a little later on our progress <laughs> building our brand new business. For now, we have real work to do. Silly work. Silly work indeed, my friend. It's Star Trek Prodigy, Season 1, Episode 13, All the World's a Stage. You know the greatest danger facing us is an irrational fear of the unknown. my mark, go fast. We open on the shovel ship of a Rear Admiral Janeway, and she's uh, sitting in the six bay, questioning the Diviner. Tell me everything you can. The ship... They took it. The Diviner is just babbling at this point. Yeah, his his mind is all blown apart and uh, the thoughts don't... Like, it's very convenient that he doesn't say any of the stuff about, like, I will punish Starfleet or, mm-hmm. like, for, for as fragmented as his mind is, he's being remarkably circumspect about, like, his evil plot, you know? <laughs> Janeway opens up. Did your grandma ever have like the big wallet with the two little beads on top that closed it? You know, like the metal beads. The oh, clasp. yeah, yeah, like a like a coin purse. Right, but it was big. Oh, I guess it's a clutch, right? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, I'm familiar with this concept. Janeway goes into her clutch and she takes out uh, a bunch of pictures and she's like, "Have you seen this very attractive man?" <laughs> and it's cartoon Chicote. He may have been in the vicinity of a bathtub. <laughs> For every one picture of Tom Mervyn's, I have 10 <laughs> pictures of Chicote. The implication is that he was imprisoned, right? Yeah. She gets some recognition out of the diviner, but the information isn't super cohesive. So that's getting frustrating. But then we get a little update on, I believe, a bet that we have going, Adam. Oh, yeah, the Ensign. Uh, Ensign Essentia. Yeah, Ensign Essentia, the trilogy, comes in. Ensign Essentia like, has the name of a nutritional supplement mm-hmm. that you take that's sort of like a milkshake. Right, right. If you're not eating a full diet, you're going to want to supplement with one of those. Yeah, except for you're like sort of suspicious of it because it's, uh, you know, like a friend of yours that's selling it and they're like trying to get you into the business. <laughs> And you're like, what? Like, I'm selling Essentia now. Why don't they just sell it in stores if it's so great? We don't just sell the products <laughs> ourselves. No, Suyuri Bob. Because it's too good for the stores. Yeah. Ben? And this is a great way for you to get some financial independence and some residual income. Because your yeah. downline will be doing most of the work for you. Yeah. Essentia, one of the most popular of the confederated products. It's a different company. It's a different quality of product. Yeah, she's got an update on Barnes Franks. Yeah. Better known as... Barnes Franks. Not Barnes Franks, because we said his name wrong. I am <laughs> Lieutenant Junior Grade Barnes Franks. Barnes Franks. like our version better i do too and and like in our defense there's no way to like get a spelling on a character name when we're watching these you know ahead of air date as screeners 
you know? I know. That's what it yeah. sounded like. That's what it sounded like in the in the episode with him in it. You know what, Ben? In society these days, you better not change your mind about anything. It's <laughs> Barnes Franks on this show. In spite of all other evidence. Yeah, yeah. It's Barnes Franks. <laughs> We're learning from the new Twitter about how to think. <laughs> yeah, his escape pod was crash landed and he was rescued by an unidentified ship. Sure, it looks that way, mm. Ben, but in, until we see a living Barnes Franks, <laughs> I don't think there's any cashing of this bet to be done yet. No, I think that's fair. I think Or a corpse, I should say. Show me a corpse or a living Barnes Franks. Yeah, I want something definitive. Yeah. But this is when Janeway takes over the investigation. She says she wants a hard target search. We're going to set up checkpoints at 40 miles. She wants us to check every outhouse dog house and hen house in that radius find him etc etc very telling here that Janeway is still referring to the diviner as their guest yeah I mean this guy is getting the best of care he's throwing mugs around all over the place (laughs) like he's Kevin Spacey at the end of Usual Suspects Mm. and like that he's gone and is forgiven Mm. Just like Kevin Spacey, right? Right, yeah, just like Kevin Spacey. Again, we're learning a lot of uh, new things on uh, social media these days. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so, th- so the mission now is, as you say, right? It's We got to find who did this to Fair Barnes. Right. One of the greats in all of Starfleet. And uh, off the USS Shovel goes, and uh, we catch up with the... P-Star doing a captain's log in orbit of a planet that looks like it puts the Grand Canyon to shame many times over. It's true. You know, I'm thinking about the title of the episode. It's got it's kind of stagey, right? There's like there's stages of the of the landscape on this planet. All the world is. Yeah, the whole damn world is is, is a stage. That's great. And that's the only thing that's a reference to, I think. That's really great. <laughs> Jankum Pog is uh, really falling down a rabbit hole of obsession with getting rid of the Event Horizon core. Yeah. They show him trying several things, including punching and punching really hard. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem to be working yeah like all of the uh street fighter stick combinations oh yeah yeah nothing's working nothing <laughs> he tried even doing like a b a b up down up down select start that didn't do anything yeah who was your street fighter character uh i like dalsam personally oh yeah i think it kind of appealed to my innate cowardice that I could punch from a very far distance away with Dalsam. Yeah. I was not good with the stick and button combinations, so Chun-Li was my fighter because I feel like her special moves were especially easy to do oh. for me. Yeah, I never I never learned any of the combos, and anytime yeah. I did one, it was by sheer button-mashing luck with that yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even, like, one of the things about being an only child with few friends was, like, I didn't even know where you could find out about the button combos. Oh, man, that's right. Because, yeah, to do that or to go to a video arcade, you'd have to go by yourself. Yeah. 
that's a tough moment. You you slap your quarter up on the thing, get in the line, and then learn about Street Fighter alone. That's a wasted quarter, my friend. You lose. <laughs> that's probably why I didn't ever take to gambling. You're gonna have a bad day at the arcade. Yeah. On that day. Not gonna be fun. Murph is still all sick, and uh, there isn't a slug vet anywhere to be found. It seems like the the fact that Murph is like desperately ill should be like a higher priority for the crew, but they've decided to respond to a distress call rather than uh, worry about helping Murph. Yeah, that part got me down. Murph is convalescing in a dog bed <laughs> while Rock Talk pets him. Yeah. Murph's bed looks a lot like the bed that Garfield sleeps in. Oh, yeah? Do you think that it's just Monday? Is that what's going on for Murph? <laughs> yeah, Rock Talk is really the John Arbuckle of Star Trek Prodigy. <laughs> That's it, Garfield. This is not normal for you. Just as confusing a nose and mouth area. Yeah. Yeah, very true. This fortunately gets Rock Talk and Murph out of Dustbuster Club duty. And I mean, it's something that Jenkin Pog wants to avoid also, but he gets roped into this one yeah. and beams down with Dal, Gwyn, and Zero. I get the feeling that Jenkin Pog would also use Dalsim. Right. I mean, he's got the like go go gadget arm, so it would be like more verisimilitude to what he's used to, anyways. But he's also, like me, a coward. God, Dalsim was such a pain in the ass to fight in Street Fighter. <laughs> you think you're safe all the way across the screen? You're not. You're getting punched in the fucking face. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I, I feel like I always did like crouch punches and crouch kicks. Oh, I hated that. <laughs> and Street Fighter makes the case that getting like kicked in the foot is like just as bad as getting punched in the head. Yeah. I mean, have you ever dropped anything on your foot? It hurts like hell. Yeah, it does hurt. I get it. It hurts like the Dickens. And I remember Street Fighter characters going, Oh, that hurt like the Dickens. Oh, a Duke. Oh, ouch, my foot. Ouch, my foot. <laughs> foot pain, foot pain, foot pain. <laughs> and you're using that same foot to destroy that Lexus, right? What? What's up with the middle levels when you're just destroying a car? Yeah. It's like, what do you think you are? Michael Jackson, <laughs> who's also been redeemed. He's also good now. Hold on. I haven't been on Twitter in the last hour. Really? Michael Jackson's back? Yeah. MJ's back? Yeah. And uh, and he's got the blue check. <laughs> that totally makes my new blue check feel like shit now, if anyone can get it. No, don't worry about it. It's good. All right. I'm keeping it then. <laughs> the away team beams down, and it's Dal, Gwyn, Zero, and Jankum. And they materialize on this kind of verdant green planet. And uh, the beam down looks a little messy. It's like a little like... <laughs> and uh, they comment on this, but they're not like super concerned. No. I feel like I would be like very concerned with any variation in the thing that takes me apart Adam by Adam and puts me back together. Yeah, absolutely. They don't linger on this as much as a normal person would. No. So <laughs> they're exploring a little bit. They pick up life signs. There's lots of interference on this planet, and uh, they push some some like grass aside. And two people dressed in green Starfleet uniforms shoot Jankum Pog. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's one way to bail out of this mission. I feel like not enough is made of the fact that Jengen Pog was like super afraid of going on this mission and gets shot within minutes of beaming down. This is really the first example of the minor differences that the inhabitants of this planet believe in as it pertains to their version of Starfleet, right? Right. Starfleet shoots first uh-huh. in this case. And in this <laughs> in this instance, uh, it's a planet full of tin man. Tin man. Because we're introduced here to James T and Sue Lu. Yeah. It's a Starflight landing party. They're affiliated with an organization called Starflight. And mm-hmm. they're very excited to see the uniforms that the kids are wearing. Yeah. I thought these, uh, the Kirk and Sulu impressions were really fun. Yeah. This is kind of a Starfleet cargo cult. This is a, like an obviously more primitive people that are attempting to cosplay Starfleet and, uh, and live by Starfleet values, despite a very vague sense of what that means or why. It's a planet that seems like it's fully inhabited by step-parents who are just trying to get to know what their kids are into and are just like getting little things wrong at every turn. Right, yeah. It's lucky that they took to uh, Star Trek and not what they would call Seinfeld or Teenage Turtles or... (laughs) Ben, I really love your mother very much and uh, I just want to say live logs and proper (laughs) Uh, thanks Uncle Adam cool (laughs) so the away team gets brought to the leader of these people and the plan at that point is to play the logs for them to see but these aren't logs that you watch on a TV this is a Rushmore style play that they sit down to watch. <laughs> I wrote Rushmore style play in my notes. Also, you'll find a pair of safety glasses and some earplugs underneath your seats. Please feel free to use them. I had assumed this would be the story of like our main bridge characters, but the main character is named Ensign. Yeah. And he's the only one wearing a red shirt. It's an elaborate red shirt joke as an episode. Mm-hmm. I am Anson, bearer of crimson, bravest among us. And this poor guy crashed on this planet and, you know, taught them the values of Starfleet, but they weren't listening that closely when he said what the name of it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, they say, like, this happened a hundred years ago at one point in this episode. It seems like. The generational decay is way more advanced <laughs> than it would be in a hundred years. <laughs> sure, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm uh, more optimistic than I should be, but like, sure. I mean, when you construct a society around a certain ancient person's teachings, it's important to get the facts straight, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because you might wind up just kind of reinterpreting everything that person said to confirm the things that you already want to believe. Right. Yeah. And that would be bad, right, Adam? Very, very (laughs) bad. (laughs) The important stuff is that these people are all kind of like inhabiting the roles of people from Star Trek, the original series. A joke that I'm sure would be delightful to a seven-year-old that's watching this as their first (laughs) Star Trek thing. Yeah. And they're also all afraid of something called the gallows that lives in the woods near their settlement. Right. And I don't know if we said it, but their settlement is like a big, like, tin ramshackle attempt at recreating the Enterprise. Welcome. 
to new Enterprise. They couldn't get the saucer section right, so it's all just kind of like a long thing on the ground, but it has nacelles. Tin shuttle. <laughs> There's like a prophecy here. Like that's the main thrust of this thing, right? Is that like everyone's afraid of the gallows because everyone gets sick there. And Ensign's dying words are Starflight will return and help us, help us all from the gallows. Right. And some people are really sensitive about the gallows. You know, it's, it's a dark way to go. But for those of us who use humor as a coping mechanism... Gallus humor can be the only way yeah. in a dark time. It's really true. Dal and Gwyn argue about whether or not the play is good <laughs> after seeing it. Yeah, yeah they sort of, uh, you know, New York Post, New York Times, like dueling reviews kind yeah. of thing. Dal just wants to go home. He was, he's disgusted with the whole enterprise. No pun intended. I mean, neither of them want to leave because Murph is ill and potentially on the verge of death. They just want to leave because they're bored. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, as Val is kind of stomping toward the exit, another one of these people comes in the front door of their settlement, and uh, she is very sick. And uh, she's she's a, a cadet, and she's like got lesions all over her body. Yeah. And she falls into Dal's arms, and they take her to Six Bay, which is... uh, one thing that our show has in common with the, these people is that they call it Six Bay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> we see you, Star Trek prodigy. Yeah. Thanks for the shout out. <laughs> the version of the gallows we saw in the Rushmore play was pretty benign, right? Like, it, it seems spooky, but not lethal. But what this sick character describes sounds far worse right fire breathing eye glowing bringer of death yeah style creature like i thought for sure this was going to be a monster of some kind right and it whatever it is has rubbed some soot onto her or crud yeah get some water wipe off that crud soot or crud it's hard to tell from the way it's rendered yeah you know maybe that'll be easier to see in the kind of final version of the episode that uh, right. shows up on p plus i don't know if you had this problem i had like the lip sync was terrible on my screener uh, same for me. Yeah. I don't know if it, like the audio track was just out of alignment with the video, but uh, it was no bueno. Yeah. Made it hard to watch. Well, I mean, this is a show that has trained me not to look at characters' mouths, so mm. not so much of a problem for me, but I still understand it could be frustrating. <laughs> You're just kind of looking around the edges of the frame, like yeah. not wanting to focus too much on the most upsetting things in the middle. Exactly. Speaking of upsetting things to look at, back on the Protostar Rock Talk has taken a sample from Murph. Like, you can just take a spoonful of Murph if you want. I guess so. And study that under a microscope, maybe. I don't get it, because Murph is also, like, indestructible. So which is it? Yeah. Like, how much Murph would you need to take away for Murph not to be Murph anymore? This is a kid's show, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) You're asking adult questions. Mm. Like, what's Murph's dick look like? (laughs) Murph is swinging a pipe. (laughs) So, yeah, back on, uh, like, we've got kind of dueling healer scenes uh, Mm because up on the ship, Rock Talk is trying to heal Murph, and down on the planet, Zero wants to heal this cadet, but needs to know the source of the disease. And now Dal is also getting sick. Right. Whatever it was rubbed off on him. Yeah. 
Shouldn't have hugged her, Dal. Yeah. Should have kept your distance. Yeah. Be careful around uh, unclean women, Dal. <laughs> Something you learn early. <laughs> and that is the moral of this episode of Star Trek Prodigy. <laughs> Or unclean men, Adam, or unclean NBs. You just want to make sure that people are like getting tested and know what they got. Right. Before you, uh, you know, make skin to skin with them. Yeah. In this six bay, there's not a lot of paper on the examination tables. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And what paper there is, they've poked holes in. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, that's Vanessa and that's mine. We take an elliptical edit for a ride because... Uh, Rock Talk Pug and Gwyn are now wearing those EV suits that have been requested, and they're heading for the gallows. Got to go to the gallows. Um, I guess the EV suits are to, like, protect them from whatever the environmental toxin is. Mm -hmm. So they're trudging off that direction. The doc's like, hey, could I have one of those? Because I've also been in close contact with the unclean. (laughs) This guy can go fuck himself. Yeah. And they're like, have you ever seen um, Outbreak? You know how like the local doctor in the town is always not in the crazy suit, but then the doctors from outside come in in it? It's kind of the same thing. Like we're just considering you already exposed at this point. It's got to be a bad feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You never want to be like the last person to not get the crazy EV suit. (laughs) Yeah. Like the, the, the doctor... Uh, is trying like a sticks and leeches based medical technology out on Dal. And the leech actually seems to be helping. Yeah, stick bad, leech good. <laughs> Two leeches, even gooder. Yeah. Feels amazing. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, uh, yeah, like, you know, we know that this sucks. We know that this is embarrassing and doesn't speak well of our level of technology. We're aware of your prime directive. We know, like, we're not supposed to even have any of this stuff. But also, by gesturing to the uniform on the wall, kind of asks Dal, like, look, we're down for the cause, and we're a primitive, filthy planet of Rushmore family players. (laughs) Like, are you down for the cause or what? And we don't get to hear Dal's answer. Well, yeah, I mean... The doctor's being a bit of an asshole. He's like, I wrote a hit play. What did you ever do? And there's a lot strange going on here. I don't know why, like, probably the most important piece of memorabilia in their entire society is hanging on a wall in the hospital. I like your nurse's uniform, guy. The doc's like, these are leeches. And Dow's like, oh, are they? (laughs) (laughs) Was Jenkum Pog eating those leeches in the play scene also? Oh, man. That's great. He had he was eating something gross. Yeah. It wasn't hot dogs. I'll tell you that. No. You're going to eat the local fare. Yeah. That's how you get to know a culture. Nobody else got hit? I'm the only one? What's the deal? The away team goes into this hurl oh. in the mountain. And it's a much cooler Star Trek cave than we normally get. Yeah. The rocks are aglow. It's a real dark ride mm. of a situation in there. Yeah. Uh, they don't meet Mr. Toad, but what they do come across is the Galileo. Yeah. That's the word that got telephoned into gallows. And it's leaking warp plasma, and it's a dilithium-rich mountain 
something, something. That's why all of the subspace interference and radiation. With every drip coming out of the shuttlecraft, it like drips down into a larger pool of plasma and then a giant geyser of dangerous plasma shoots out. It looks so dangerous to be in there. Yeah, yeah. It's a real Chernobyl-level radioactive disaster, but it's been happening in slow motion for a long period of time. So I guess their EV suits are protecting them, but like the placement of the shuttle is kind of precarious. So they don't want to go onto it, but when they can't communicate back with Zero and Dal, Jenkum wants to go onto the shuttle to use the uh, comms array that's on there. Jenkum Pog has been looking for a way out of this mission from the beginning of the episode, so yeah, not really surprising that he volunteered for this one. Very low chance of success. The only way out is through, and uh, like you could interpret it as his motivation in this app is like kind of redeeming himself after the failure of not taking the uh, Invent Horizon core out of the Protostar, mm-hmm. but. I think you're right, Adam. It's it's much more likely that his motivation is just take me, Galileo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He wants to Thelma and just Thelma his way <laughs> off of the show. This is a much less a successful movie. Thelma yeah. and just Thelma. <laughs> just Thelma at the wheel. <laughs> Louise is okay with prison. It's just like so much quieter of a film because Thelma and just Thelma doesn't have anyone to talk to. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) There's no hand-holding before the end. No. (laughs) It's just another gear shift. Yeah. We need to score a lot of laps fast. Licensed businessmen. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. uh, It works great. Uh, Trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality, and this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscapes.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals, and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. 
Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Speaking of gear shifts, Zero kicks it into high gear when Jankum radios the source of the illness back. Zero is not an experienced antidotographer, mm-hmm. but but they're able to synthesize this really quickly and like Dallas back to a hundred percent within like three seconds of this being administered. I'm alive! What's going on? So it's great news for everybody. Great news all around. When Dal is cured from the concoction that Zero made, no sign that the leeches remain. Mm. Are the leeches dead? Did they like go into his body? Yeah. I want to know what happened to those leeches. Oh, shit, Chris. Oh, shit, man. Yeah. And what do they taste like? And can you eat them after they've been used to treat someone? If they've been sucking your blurred and then you change the constitution of your blurred into something great, mm. they gotta taste different after, right? Like if you eat pineapple while you've got a leech on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you eat a leech that's been sucking on someone who's been eating pineapple, they're like, hey, that's not so bad. That leech is gonna taste great. <laughs> You know, I'm not usually into eating leeches except for, you know, like birthdays and special occasions. Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> I often spit the leeches out, but this one I'm, re- I'm willing to swallow. <laughs> usually I just find the closest potted plant and get rid of that leech. I know. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know why the, the, the person that gave me the leech really cares, like why they have a dog in the fight of what happens to the leech. Right. It it seems like their participation is effectively over at that point. Right. It's like, why are you speaking up about what happened to the leech? <laughs> but if you're if you really care that much, you could eat some pineapple while the leech is on you. 
If you want to have a little bit of consideration, <laughs> eat some pineapple. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't remember why there's like bangers in the mountain, but the mountain starts like falling down. Yeah. And so the entire way team now has to get in the very dangerous Galileo shuttlecraft to, I guess, have rocks not fall on their heads. Right. I mean, they're they're just trading one danger for another. Like, rocks falling on their heads probably isn't going to kill them, but what will certainly kill them is riding the shuttlecraft all the way down into the pool of plasma. Yeah, but also there's, like, no way to get beamed out because there's too much interference in there. So, again, the protostar is going to fly inside the super dangerous thing this episode. Right. But it has an insufficient crew to do this, right? Yeah, the, and the interference is going to knock out hologram Janeway. So they draw on the well-trained expertise of the locals, and uh, they beam a bunch of them up to help Dal out in the process of flying the ship into the mountain. They look around it at this situation, and they're like, I don't recognize any of this stuff. Like, we had an idea that had to do with something ancient. And I'm looking around at all this future tech. I don't know how to use this. Yeah, all these buttons have labels on them. What gives? <laughs> so uh, hot on the heels of it being explained that holograms won't work inside the mountain, they holographically changed all of the controls to 1960s TOS bridge. And it all works great because the locals know how to push all the buttons. And, you know, even though their terminology is a little bit different, they know what Dallas is talking about. This is the dream of anyone who's flown a flight simulator yeah. when they board any aircraft. Like, right. certainly I could do this if called upon. Both pilots have had heart attacks. Is yeah. there anyone on board that has a really nice graphics board and Microsoft flight simulator? <laughs> Look. And Adam's hand goes up. I've got the stick and the pedals. Does anyone on board have the stick and the pedals? <laughs> you, sir. No, I just have the stick. Damn it. I have the stick and the pedals. Well, do you also have a 38-inch curved display? <laughs> no? Then you're useless. We're going to need someone with a video game playing seat <laughs> as well. Does anyone have a seat and pedals and a stick? <laughs> does, does the chair in front of your computers for some reason have seat belts? <laughs> if so, you are eligible. Yeah. Do you have purple accent lights all over the room that you play video games in? Got to have those. That needs to be a consideration in this new studio. I have not thought anything about lighting. Oh, man. Gonna need that. Make sure you add that to the budget. Yeah. Perp lights. Perp lights. Exactly. So uh, the like rocks falling into the shuttle play the last distress call on audio. So we get to hear. I wrote down Ensign Darabak. I tried to look this up. I wanted to see if this was based on a... If this was a guy? Yeah. Ensign Garavik reporting, sir. I didn't find anything. Maybe I got the spelling wrong or something. Are you the new security officer? Yes, sir. Yeah, I sure didn't know this was how the Galileo went out. Yeah, but then I was like looking at the... It seems like there was more than one Galileo, maybe. So maybe this was like not the Galileo 
one. Oh yeah, this is the the Galileo A. Yeah, or whatever, or whatever. But like, I don't know how the original entrepreneur got all the way out to the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, that's certainly never come up in my research. Nope. Anyways, too many questions. Uh, yeah, this is uh, his distress call to uh, you know Starfleet and. Um, the backstory sort of reminded me of the uh, episode of TNG where Data has amnesia and like wanders into a sort of Renaissance era town square with a briefcase full of radioactive shit. Right, and he has a pipe rammed through him. Yeah, and that that guy from Chicago is there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chicago man. Yeah. It appears I had an interesting time. Ensign was like trying to help these people not become sick from the radiation he brought to their planet. Yeah. And uh turns out the uh the protostar crew are the ones that are gonna have to help them with that. They get last minute beamed out of the Galileo, and then like there's kind of a little montage of them kind of cleaning up uh before leaving town, uh, which is Jenkin Pog helping them shoot phasers at the hole that lets all the radiation come out of the mountain and hit their town. Right. This episode makes very little of the fact that the crew of the protostar are the prophecy incarnate. Yeah. And so the idea that they'll just train these people up, these enterpriseians with a bunch of tools and instructions you know, about how to be Starfleets on their way out the door. Yeah, and here's our medical kit and whatnot. Totally omits the very real possibility that these people would want to go with them big time. Like, they would be hanging off of the skids of the Protostar <laughs> as it took off, right? Like, where is that? Yeah, that, that never comes up. Like, it's hard to imagine that these people would be like, this is our home, we have to stay here, you know, <laughs> also. Especially after seeing the protostar, which rules. Yeah, which is way better than their piece of shit shanty town. Yeah. Are you too good for your home? It would be great if the weapon on board recognized the Enterpriseans as Starfleet and then made them destroy themselves. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> James T is like, why am I holding a phaser at Sulu? You're holding it at my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> wide beam they warp out of there and like the the captain's log ends with a like this idea that they're gonna find their, their way back to Starfleet maybe without the protostar yeah which is a nice idea why don't you just trade it for a different ship somewhere like hey we got a really great ship here but we want a different one for where we're going. They got to scuttle this thing, Ben. They can't just trade it. Because what if the person they trade it to interacts with a Starfleet ship? Yeah. But like, so they like save one paperclip from the Protostar. They scuttle it <laughs> and then they trade their way up to a starship. I love this. You could make a whole movie out of that. Uh, that'd be really cool. A movie that no one talks about or has thought about for many Many years. <laughs> Sounds like they're conspiring to conspire. Like traffic. Yeah. <laughs> the best picture. The button has to do with Murph. Yeah. And what's left of him, Ben? He's attached to the wall. He sort of looks like the corner of the bridge in Event Horizon. <laughs> he just looks like a, an arterial spray. Yeah. Yeah. Murph is a, a pupa now. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, he's dead, obviously, mm. right? <laughs> he went from being a poopa to being a pupa. <laughs> that was great. Did you like this episode, Ben? <laughs> I liked this a lot more than the last episode. I thought it was uh, a pretty fun adventure. Like, definitely one that uh, I don't know how much of the the joke of it is going to be evident to kids. Maybe more than I think. I don't know. But I, I love the idea of a cargo cult in Star Trek. Like, mm-hmm. there was sort of the implication of one in a recent uh, Lower Decks episode. And I thought this was a very interesting, like, richer exploration of what that might look like and it's obviously like through the simplicity of a show for kids but uh done in a really interesting way and i'd like to see star trek do more with ideas like this frankly yeah i felt like it was a fairly unique expression of that idea for star trek to do and not without some risks like when you start doing characters i mean ben that's that's the job of star trek podcasters right you know, you start making fun of the characters the way that this episode does and the way that they speak and so forth. I mean, that's dangerous ground. And this is official Star Trek right here that's doing it. It's true. A little bit worrisome that uh, something as official as this might start to kind of come in on our territory. I did notice that the guy doing the Scotty accent had all five fingers. So uh, I think we're semi-safe in that respect. The character voices I thought were great. And they were like, for the most part, primary cast characters. Like the cast of this show were doing those voices. Yeah, it was good stuff. Which I thought was a neat little trick. Wow. Well, uh, do you want to uh, see if there's any neat little tricks inside the Priority One inbox? Oh, yeah. Finally, our opportunity for voice work, Ben. (laughs) Indeed. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, our first Priority One message is of a promotional nature. That message goes like this. Whether you're joining the Fenris Rangers or just trying to keep up the swole traps on your golem, Bertie, no need to be shy about joining Jim Shimoda. Wow. Set some personal goals and stack up those isolinear chips. Incredible. Jim Shimoda exists in a corner of Facebook that didn't come out of a Borg-controlled rift in space-time. Hell yeah. <laughs> so the call to action is endorphins, not screeners. Wow. You know what's up. Joining Jim Shimoda is about uh, being a little more physically fit. Yeah. Uh, caring about what you're putting into your birdie a little bit more. Yeah. It is like an ultra positive place to do some work on yourself. I'm hearing nonstop about how great Jim Shimoda is. Yeah, everybody that uh, we've met that identifies as a Jim Shimoda participant has been really really cool like after live shows and stuff and uh, I think that joining a workout community can be intimidating because a lot of them attract weird assholes and it's really cool that Jim Shimoda uniquely doesn't yeah yeah it is super positive in a great way in a way I wish every Facebook group was yeah not just talking about ours but Just social media in general. Uh, This is a nice little carve out there. And if you're interested, highest recommendation for joining a Jim Shimoda community. Uh, Adam, we have another priority one message here. This one's of a personal nature and it's from Other Ben preparing for his birthday. And it is to Other Ben on his birthday. Hmm? Goes like this. 
I have no idea what series is even being discussed in this episode, but I do know that it would have benefited from having Roe Laren in it. Play that drop, baby. Is there any Star Trek that wouldn't benefit from Roe Laren? No way. Man, I feel like she could show up in Prodigy. Like, don't you think? Could she show up in Picard? Yes. Couldn't she? I mean, Michelle Forbes, still working. Still out there doing it. Obviously, yeah. Still one of the greats, so why not give her a call? That would be a pretty exciting surprise cameo in season three. God, I would love that. Oof, that would be amazing. Yeah. Well, great points all around, birthday Ben's and uh, and Jim Shimoda's. If you'd like to get a P1, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and set one up today. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Bonus <laughs> Franks. Bonus Franks. Bonus Franks. Bonus Franks. Are we going to make Wendy edit that every time or can we just like let her use the previous edit? I don't know, Ben. Do you want to reheat the segment every time or do you want a fresh one? Mm. It's going to be like I want to reheat it. (laughs) I don't think I'm getting better at hitting that high note. I think this is good practice for us. Okay. When we karaoke. Okay. I think I'm going to give it to Sul U because I think Sul U gets kind of a surprisingly rich amount of stuff to do (laughs) as a character that is like mostly there just to be a joke. Yeah. And it's like a good impression without being like everybody's heard this James Kirk impression, but the Sul U one is, is like really solid and just like a faithful reproduction of Sulu, I feel like. It's not hack like our impression. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, somebody really nailed Sulu. Yeah. It was a delight to me. Yeah. I don't, that's like a pretty simplistic reason to name someone a Barnes Franks. But uh, that's that's where I'm coming from today. I've got a related Barnes Franks, it, related to this entire concept that you're describing. What's the name of this ensign? The ensign that's the main character of the Rushmore story? Oh, what? Oh, that guy. Oh, oh, you mean the, the Darabak? The survivor of the of the shuttle accident. Yeah, Darabak or Garabak or something like that. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> Think about his story and how he told it and why these people are telling the story the way that they are, why they've named each other those things, why they speak the way they do. Yeah. This ensign wandered into town and taught the society all about what it's like to be on The Entrepreneur mm-hmm. with character voices. <laughs> he did the voices. <laughs> That's the only way that anyone knows what these characters sound like. Yeah. Because no one went to the shuttle to play the logs or anything. And besides, the logs would just be of the ensign's voice. He was really the Bradward Boimler of The Entrepreneur. He was, yeah. So the idea of this ensign wandering into town 
and telling the story of the entrepreneur and doing the voices. Like this entire society are little kids gathered at his knee while he reads them a bedtime story. <laughs> I love that idea. Man. And that's just going to make him my Barnes Franks. That is a really solid Barnes Franks, Adam. That might be my yeah. favorite Barnes Franks you've ever done. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, pretty small sample size, but I'll take it. You have a rich history. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, Adam, when uh, Friends of DeSoto use social media to talk about the show, Sometimes it encourages people to check the show out, and we like to encourage that. But sometimes it can come across as a, as a warning to others. Don't be like me. Yeah. Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. Warning buoys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. This is uh, not uh, specifically on one social network or another, but um, a blog by Stephanie Halgren, stephaniehalgren.com, put up a post earlier called 10 Awesome Podcasts for Those Who Are Easily Bored and named us. We're, we're on a top 10 list, Adam. For once in the history of the greatest generation, we're on a top 10 list. I can't believe it. This never happens. And we're number five. We're not even like in the bottom half. Hey, we're above a McElroy show. <laughs> the, uh, the, the cap is Star Trek nerds with more than average knowledge of film and media production. Ben and Adam embrace the cringe. They don't take Star Trek very seriously, but they are very serious about watching every single Star Trek episode ever created. Sometimes drunk, other times blissfully riffing off each other. Ben and Adam crack me up. That is so nice. That's pretty great. That's a great description of the show. Thank Blissful. you. Blissful. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stephanie Algren, for that uh, that very, very sweet yeah. Right up. And it's not even list season. I know. It's such a treat to finally be on a list, though. Yeah. I've been wanting this forever. Hey, as we get near the end of the year, put us on your list. Yeah. Put us on your list. Don't leave us off the list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> put us on the list. <laughs> or the glass, you know, whatever. Yeah. What a sweet thing. Thanks, Stephanie. Yeah. If you'd like us to say your words out loud on our show, post about us somewhere on the internet and uh, make sure that Bill hears about it at one of the at Greatest Trek social media accounts. He puts them in our uh, company Slack channel and we pick one yeah. for every episode. And we really appreciate folks getting the word out. Yeah. Thanks one and all. So uh, with that, we're going to leave it with our producer, Wendy, to uh, tell you a little bit about next week's episode and take care of some business in those credits. I can't wait to hear whether or not she makes a brand new Barnes Frakes <laughs> intro <laughs> or just reheats an old one. Yeah. Don't feel like you have to uh, make a new one, Wendy. <laughs> make the right choice, Wendy. We, again, didn't pronounce it correctly, so there wouldn't be, like, that big of a problem by just <laughs> using the old one. I don't think either of us would notice, most likely. I'll notice. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks to the members who are making monthly contributions to support this show. If you've got an extra $5 a month, head on over to MaximumFun.org slash join, and you'll get instant access to the entire catalog of MaxFun bonus content and new bonus episodes from Uxbridge Shimona coming out every single month. Thanks also to Adam Ragusea, who created the original music that you hear throughout this show. You can find his podcast and his YouTube cooking channel by searching for Adam Ragusea. Thanks to Nick Dittmore for the show art and Bill Tilly for managing the social media pages on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you're following at Greatest Trek and use the hashtag Greatest Trek to talk about the show online. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Greatest Trek. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.